All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode of Dad's Can Podcast 2, and we again are talking about the music that shaped us. This is a theme that I love to talk about, and today we're going all the way back to 1997 and 1998, where a portion of my young life was shaped indefinitely. We're talking all about working for a vehicle and the songs that surrounded it, so uh, hang on in there, turn up your earbuds, and Let's get going. Okay, so the summer of 1998 must have been. Yes, 97. No, 98. Had to have been 98. I was 15 years old. Or 14, going on 15, I guess. And, of course, as any 15-year-old is concerned about, or almost 15-year-old, is where am I going to get my first car, and how am I going to get all the ladies to love me? Um, with that car. So I had an opportunity. Uh, my parents were not, you know, significantly wealthy by any means. So, um, we had to work for things. You know, I had a job since, you know, 13 doing odd things and mowing grass and stuff like that. And I think it taught us the, the value us being my brother and I, um, the value of hard work for sure. Um, but unlike, you know, anything else, we'd have to work for our first car. And so, there was an amazing 1974 Volkswagen Super Beetle, 1600cc, so uh, that's a 1.6 liter engine for all of you doing math, um, that my uncle owned, and it had a bad wiring harness, um, but other than that, it would run, so I'm like, I want that car. It was black with like little little flecks of rainbow sparkle in it, um, and... It was a really fun vehicle. It needed a lot of work. The interior needed to be redone and had, of course, had no brakes. And, um, you know, uniquely the uh, initial original ignition wouldn't work. So they rewired it to go through the cigarette lighter. And uh, basically to keep the steering wheel from locking, they just put a piece of wood in the original ignition to keep the steering wheel from locking. And, uh, well, that's foreshadowed. And we'll get back to why that's important later. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I got driven down by my parents to the San Luis Valley in Colorado, um, to center Colorado to spend a couple weeks with my aunt and uncle who owned this Volkswagen. I was going to do odd jobs for them around the house to work for this car and very interesting time. You know, I think even at 15 or 14, almost 15, this was probably the longest I had been away from my parents um, at any one stretch. So it was, you know, a little different. And, you know, I, I got surprisingly a little bit homesick. And my aunt and uncle are, are great people, but it's just, you know, nobody, it's never home. And so they own a batch plant where they make concrete. Um, or, so I got to do a ton of different things like crawl under the conveyor belt nobody else could fit underneath to shovel out the the rock and stuff that was underneath it. And I stained their garage doors and I stained their they have wooden exposed wooden beams and I stained that and for 2 weeks I did odd jobs and it was an interesting mix. I got to listen to a lot of music while I was doing it, of course. Um and this was the time where I had like my personal CD player and some headphones and you don't want to bump that cd player because it would make the everything skip but uh, if you had a long enough headphones cord you could kind of be free to move around 
um, while it was playing and, and not be bumped around. And I did. So during this time when I had my downtime and kind of retreated to, to my room to kind of hang out, I got to listen to some music. And 1997 and 98 was an interesting time because there were three songs that really, really stuck out in my mind as far as what spoke to me and reminds me of this time. And the first one is Everclear, um, So Much for the Afterglow. The second one is Bare Naked Ladies, One Week. And the last one is Shania Twain, Man, I Feel Like a Woman. All three of those were a major rotation on any radio that you'd turn on. And uh, it really, really shaped the journey I was about to go on. So Everclear released their album so much for the Afterglow. And at that time in my life, I loved that style of music. I love Everclear. I still love Everclear. And I had purchased that album. And I Will Buy You a New Life is unmistakable with its first couple chords. And then, you know, it's it's all about, you know, this guy, like, kind of moving on with his life after a relationship doesn't go well. And he's like, you know what? hopefully you're happy, I'm happy, so much for the afterglow, like, it was expected to be something, but it wasn't, so it really spoke to me on different levels, and it really comforted me, because the, the lead singer, I think his name's Art, um, lead singer is, uh, really has, like, this warm voice, and it, even though he's singing about these really hard topics, like, it just feels good to listen to him, and, uh, the, his, his song and uh, their song, I guess I should say, was one that, uh, really got me through some of the lonelier times when I was, uh, working for my car and, uh, it was just, uh, good. So without further ado, so much for the afterglow. Additionally, you know, the, the another song on that record that I don't know if got big radio play but really spoke to me is a, a song called Everything to Everyone. And in that song, there's a lyric that says, I think you are blind to the fact that the hand you hold is the hand that holds you down. And that really spoke to me. And, you know, like it was one of the first songs I remember being like, Dad, you have to listen to this. Like this is something that really means a lot to me. And And he did. He was patient with me. I don't know if he loved the style of music, but... You know, he he shared my love for music, and I I listened to his stuff, and he listened to my stuff, and we appreciated each other's insight onto all of it. But it was you know a song saying you know you can't be everything to everyone, and at that age you know you just want to be a people pleaser, and it was one of those songs like no you don't have to you know you don't have to you just be you, and if people like it great, and if not great, but just don't be an asshole at the same time. So. Um, that was another song that I really appreciated, Everything to Everyone, by Everclear. So Bare Naked Ladies were huge when I went down to work for my car. And their song One Week was just blowing up everywhere. 
and it was fun it's a fun song it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but that whole album honestly again i purchased this album a cd of if you can believe that um was called stunt and it was just a really good album and if you haven't listened to a lot of bare naked ladies they have very very smart lyrics and <clears throat> across the board they're probably my most listened to artist and you know, I own most of their albums, or I've downloaded at this point, most of their albums, um, just because they're, they're so good, and like, their vocal talents, and the styles, and the music that they have, they have a cello, and just different sound than anything else you've ever heard, and they do a really good job, and they can speed it up, they can slow it down, they can sing about serious things, or fun things, and and do it all extremely well, but there wasn't a time we didn't get in the car to run to the batch plant to, to do some work, where one week, was not on the radio. It's been one week since you looked at me. Five days on the side and said I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Saying get back together, come back and see me. Three days in the living room. I realized it's all my fault but couldn't tell you. Yesterday you'd forgiven me. But it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry. Interestingly, after listening to that album for years and years and years, the song Alcohol becomes very important to me because I love to sing it during karaoke when you've had a little bit of alcohol. Um, it's kind of my go-to karaoke song, and it's a really good one because everyone can kind of rally around this song. And on an interesting twist, as I got down later in my life, which I never really would have known, there is a song called When You Dream on the album. And it's a lullaby to a sleeping son. And it's one song that really makes me think of my first son, Owen, um, when I'm listening to it, when I hear it, because I would sing it to him to try and get him to sleep when he was a little baby, because he didn't sleep a lot when he was a baby. He was a pretty fussy baby in retrospect, but... Uh, the song When You Dream, while I didn't really love it at the time, I love it now because it speaks to me on my kids. And that's what I love about music is that it can kind of transcend what you you have different phases of life and different phases of music, but one artist can span all those phases. So it's really cool. So here's When You Dream. It's hard to believe As I watch you And then there was Shania Twain. And I don't think America or Canada, interesting, we have two Canadian artists on the, the list today. Um, I don't think anyone could have gotten away without hearing Shania Twain at the time when I was working for my car. It was everywhere. Omnipresent, omnipotent, if you will. 
Um, man. And I don't know if she had like some sort of irritable belly button issue or whatever, but she never had her belly button covered. Like she was in the best shape of her life and she looked great and I had no problems with it. But this album spawned so many top singles, but you couldn't go anywhere without hearing, man, I feel like a woman. Uh, you know, this whole album was so, so good. And, and I'm not sure the whole background of it, but you know, it's Shania Twain's another one of those. She has such a good voice in general. She can sing very solemn songs. She can sing very fun songs, um, but she does it all very well. And she did it without anything covering her belly button for the vast majority of 1998 through 2000, I believe. Um, but, uh, that was another one of those songs that I, you couldn't turn on the radio and be like, Oh my gosh. Like if you turn it on a country, you heard Shania Twain. If you turn it on the, you know, alternative, you heard it bare naked ladies. And it was, that was the season that we were in and, uh, it was a good season to be in. So man, I feel like a woman made me want to be a woman to feel like it because she made it sound so fun. But, uh, without further ado. So there you have it, my my songs that inspired me to keep working for my 1974 Volkswagen Super Beetle, which was named Black Lightning. And interestingly, we we let's just say the ignition wasn't where it should be. The brakes worked poorly, and we had just rewired everything for the wiring harness, so that worked. But uh, it ran the the engine ran, but uh, it was a bit as the British say, dodgy, a bit dodgy. And of course, being the responsible 15, 14, almost 15 year old, we get into school and that would have been freshman year of high school. And my buddy, Tony, uh, my best friend, Tony and I, we would come back to our house after school. My brothers, our brothers drive us and then we'd hang out and I'm like, well, let's, let's take this for a spin. He's like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, his younger brother, Ben, was with us too, who now is a phenomenal climber. Um, we went out and we have these, we live in the country. There's a, like 13 acres that we live on and there's these huge 10-foot drainage ditches um, and ditch banks, like canals almost, I should say, if you're familiar with that, but even deeper than canals um, that you can drive along the banks around and there's certain turnarounds that you can do. And so we were driving along, cruising and you have those portable speakers you can plug into an auxiliary port up on the dash, and we're playing the CD player, and somebody's holding the CD player really still so it doesn't skip. And um, we're we're going, and I've got a there's a bridge that you can kind of turn and cross over to turn to go back home, and I do, and I come around and I'm making a right turn, and I go to straighten out the wheel, and I can't. The steering wheel's locked. That piece of wood in the ignition had fallen out, and the steering wheel is locked. And as I mentioned before, it doesn't have a lot of brakes. And I was going maybe 15, 20 miles an hour, maybe. Um, so I'm stuck in a, a careening right turn, and 
I can't stop. I slam on the brakes and it's just like this soft, like gentle slow down. And we're just inching forward. And as I'm looking, we're starting to head towards that canal bank, deep into that canal. And so I hit my brakes. And I hit my brakes, and there's nothing happening. So I reach down, and I yank up the emergency brake, and nothing. And so at about three miles an hour, we just slowly inch up forward. The tires tip off, and we just dump it straight into the canal. And luckily, there's only about two feet of water in there. But so we're sitting there like, oh, my goodness. And... So we run back to the house <clears throat> about quarter to half a mile and get my brother and his, uh, Tony's older brother, Peter. Um, we get some chains and we hook it to the bumper and they try with both of their vehicles to pull it out and they can. And concurrently, I think Peter burned up his clutch doing this. Um, they can't and we have to wait until my parents get home to tell them what I had done to have them get their vehicle to help me tow it out and excuse me so we have to wait till they get home so we wait till they get home and i tell them the truth and they're like well let's tow it out and they weren't really visibly mad or outburst at the time until they helped pulled it out. And the biggest thing I think that they could have ever done was like, well, you're driving it back home. You know, that's for sure. I was going to be screwed and, and in the, in the hole for, for years. And they're like, well, drive it back home, you know, learn from your mistakes. And that is something that I think is so cool. Um, it's something that I never really saw coming. I thought I was going to be really, really big in trouble and, and I was in trouble. Let's not get it wrong. Um, but, uh, they they took a higher road and it really shaped how I parent too. So there you guys have it. The music that shaped me, 1997-1998, working for that 1974 Volkswagen Super Beetle, which at some point I will have another one for sure. So I hope you guys have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. So then we had to get their vehicle, two other vehicles to help me tow them out because it's a 10-foot steep embankment to get this bug out it's not a heavy vehicle but it's heavy enough right and i think one of the coolest things that they they did they weren't overtly mad at me in the moment it was all about business and um they you know i did get in trouble afterwards but surprisingly less than i expected given the circumstances and i was you know sitting there we towed the car out and kind of like oh gosh here comes gonna be you know, deep in it. And, uh, they said, well, let's drive it home. And I thought for sure my parents were going to take it and do all this sort of stuff. And they said, Nope, you're, you're driving it home. You know, we got the, the plug back in, we got the, the steering wheel unlocked and they made me drive it back home. And I think that's an important lesson. You know, you, you clean up the mess you did and do all that sort of stuff. And it was, it was just a really cool moment that my parents didn't really come down and just <laughs> execute me as far as, you know, things I had done, it was a growth moment and they, they understood that they weren't pleased with it, but they also knew that I had learned a valuable lesson and that was, that was really cool. So there you guys go. The songs that shaped me from 97 to 98 while I worked for my Volkswagen Super Beetle. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you have a a great day until we see you again.